0: Tonight we're starting a new series and I'm real excited about it because we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about how to really develop an effective prayer life in your life. God wants you to know how to communicate with him. He wants you to know all of these things, how how to lay hold of all the promises of God, how to walk in everything. Prayer is a dialogue, it's not a monologue. The title of this series is going to be The Foundation of an Effective Prayer Life. And we're going to just take our time. We're going to believe God for utterance because, quite frankly, I think we could probably teach on prayer for a year easily. And I think the last time I taught on prayer, I think I, all we did was really talk about the, just the different types of prayer, and I think we went 18 weeks. We're just going to lay a foundation. I believe God is going to bring some things that's going to help you to really grow in your own personal walk with Him? Do you know you're designed to intimately fellowship with Him? You know, the series that we just did on worship talked about the secret place. Well, that's what this place of prayer really is, too. It's a secret one-on-one place that God has provided for you. So let's get into this thing tonight. A healthy prayer life is one that is built... this This is the foundation... It's built upon the Holy Spirit leading us daily to pray all the different types of prayers or all manner of prayers as he leads us. This is the foundation. Your prayer life is healthy if every day the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray all the different manners or types of prayer. Because, you know, there are certain times when you've got to pray the prayer of faith to lay hold of some things. There are certain times as you walk out God's path for your life that you might find yourself stirred by the Holy Spirit to pray the prayer, the prayer of consecration where you're like, okay, God, it's not my will. It's whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want because I'm yours, right? But we, we need to learn how to walk in these things. But a healthy prayer life is built upon the Holy Spirit leading you on what to pray what manner, what type of prayer to pray, how to pray. All of your prayer life should be stirred by the Holy Spirit. That's really a missing part in the body of Christ. We go to God and we're trying to pray based on what we think. And I'm telling you, prayer is really hard when you're working and God's not working. Right? So, because remember, Romans tells us our weakness as believers is many times we don't know how to pray as we should. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Learning how to pray effectively is one of the most important things a believer can do in his Christian walk as he walks through this life. Learning how to pray effectively. Now, those of you who are in the Sunday school class with Pastor Edwin I don't even know how many weeks you went you taught on prayer. You're probably going to get a little bit of a head start, but I believe the Holy Spirit will just catch us up to you guys as we go through this. An individual believer or a corporate church body will never be successful in fulfilling God's purpose for their life if they don't know how to pray effectively according to the word of God. The principles laid out in the Word of God. So what we're saying is, as a church family, we'll never be able to fulfill the vision and the purpose for this church that's not our idea, it's his idea. We'll never be able to finish it if we don't know how to pray effectively according to biblical principles. In my life personally, in your life personally, there's no way you'll ever be able to finish your course unless you learn how to pray effectively. Right, according to the word of God. There's a lot of crazy things out there about prayer, but we're going to just stick with the word of God. We're going to trust God for utterance. There will be an anointing because you're made to intimately fellowship with him. You're made. See, God, you are a fruit-bearing individual as a child of God. You, God wants you to yield all of your fruit in your season. You must know how to pray in order to do that, Right? So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. This is a real foundational passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 6. I hope you guys are a a little bit as excited as I am. I'm I'm pretty much off the chart excited right now because I've been looking forward to this because prayer is such a big part of my life. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, you know, now Smith Wigglesworth, great man of God from England. He was a plumber that got saved. And just, you know, over 20-some confirmed raising from the dead. He would minister to thousands of people. He was called the apostle of faith. And he made this statement. He says, I very ra- rarely, if ever, pray over 30 minutes at a time. And then he said this, though. But I, v- I very rarely ever go more than 30 minutes without praying. There's a big principle there. Because a lot of people think, man, I just got to... Okay, I got to have three, four hours to pray. Right? It, it's kind Your mind will play games with you. So then you won't pray because you don't have all this time to really pray through. But what you don't realize is if you added up all the time you've been praying over the last month, it probably you might be averaging about 45 seconds. Right? Man, at night you're sitting there going, man, tomorrow... I'm hopping on the treadmill. I'm setting that sucker and I'm going to go for an hour and I'm just going to have the work out of my life. And you hop on there and you're sure you've been on there for about 45 minutes and you look down and you've been on it for like two two minutes and 15 seconds. Right? This is the way prayer is. If you're carnal, oh, it's so easy for you to get together and talk about God. I've said this the other day. But man, it really arrests you when you have trouble talking to God for a couple minutes. Well, I've got news for you. You have no trouble communing with God. Your spirit man longs to. So as we gain knowledge from the Word of God, it's going to really help us develop our prayer lives. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Big scripture. It's a life scripture. It says this, Be careful for nothing. In other words, the Word of God is saying, don't be careful about anything. So, okay, so what do you mean? Well, let's look at the word careful. It means, don't be anxious about anything. This Greek word also means, don't let anything annoy you in spirit. Don't let anything, here's another meaning of this word, distract you. That's a big one, isn't it? Don't let anything this here's another definition of this word draw you in different directions. Have you ever had a day where you've been drawn in a lot of different directions? You start doing this and then you got to do this and then you start doing this and you got right? Well, there's a way God is saying don't let anything draw you in different directions. Do you know in the natural, as you go throughout your day, you could be drawn in a lot of different na- directions naturally and not be drawn in any different directions spiritually. Still maintain peace. Still not toil. Still be, still be strong. Be at rest. Right? Because here's another, here's the foundational meaning of this word. Careful. Be careful for nothing. It literally means, it means that don't have an anxious thought about anything. Well, you know what an anxious thought is? Here's how you spell it. Anxious thought is spelled W-O-R-R-Y. Or should I say it this way? Capital W, capital O, capital R, capital R, because the more you do it, the bigger it gets, right? And then capital Y with a gigantic exclamation point highlighted, (laughs) right? God says, I do not want you to worry about anything. I don't want you to be distracted about anything. I don't want you to let anything draw you in different directions or annoy you in spirit. Nothing. Well, how is that gonna happen? This is how you do it. But in everything, So I don't worry about anything, but I pray about everything. In other words, I talk to God about everything, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, now you can't can't forget the thanksgiving part. The reason why we're thankful is because you already have the victory, You know, we just sang this thing. I don't know what Mark Mason does, but I think he knows what I'm preaching before I do. Remember that song we sang about, remember Emily, she's singing, and it's about how we know the end of the story. Isn't it awesome to live knowing the end of the story? Do you know everything's going to be okay? Do you know you know the end of the story? Whatever you're facing tonight, if you'll literally... Stop worrying and get God involved. God, through your prayers, will bring heaven his presence and his power to change everything to come in line with his word, which never is subject to change. Every time. Isn't that good news? Be careful, careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Notice, look at what it says. Let your requests. So this is talking about you praying about your life and your requests. It includes you. Don't worry about anything in your life. You pray about everything in your life. You get God involved in everything. You let your requests be made known unto God Now we're going to break this down in this series. I'm sure we're going to come back here and I'm going to go deeper in different segments. It says, you make your requests known to God, verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Notice you don't have to keep your mind Have you ever thought this thought, man, I just wish I could just keep my mind in the right place. Well, you don't do that. You take thoughts captive. You present your body a living holy sacrifice. You renew your mind with the word of God. You don't worry. You make a decision. I am not worrying about this. I'm not letting this draw me in another direction. I'm not going to worry about anything, but I'm going to get God involved and pray about everything. Through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, because I already know I've got the victory. And then what happens is the peace of God. I mean, whenever God shows up, whenever, whenever faith is there, all this, the peace of God will mount guard over your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Wow. So if we were to say, what's God's best? It's a very simple answer. You look at the Word of God, it is the finished work of Jesus. His best for you is health, strength, wholeness, right? In your body, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. Freedom from fear, never lonely, because you walk in a revelation that he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. That you're loved that you'll never face anything bigger than him, that already he's already worked it all out, so you rest in that, that finished work of Jesus. But whatever comes into your life that distracts you from walking in God's best, right, it's, it's trying to block you, that, that's not God. If you want to be a poet, you could say it this way. Whatever distracts your rest is not God's best. So God will never bring something in your life that in any way will distract you from being rest, being at rest. What is rest? Rest means I've ceased from my own works. And now I'm only simply working out what he's working in. I'm, in other words, I'm totally trusting in him. I'm not trying to figure this thing out anymore. I've already figured it out. Do you know you've already figured out every problem in your life? Here it is. Here's the answer to every one of them. One word, one name above all names, Jesus. The finished work of Christ. You bring Jesus on the scene, his power, his presence, his provision, his peace. Everything is right there for you every time. So this is a foundation. Satan's attacks are designed to keep you out of rest. Right? They're designed to fill you with the cares of this world. And also to fill you with stress. He wants you to toil. We work hard as unto the Lord, free from toil. Toil is part of the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. Right? In the corporate environment, in the work environment, everything says you got to work harder. you got to do this, you got to do that. No. Not for the believer, because my work is a form of worship. So I can rest. There is a way, and guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to show it to me. And He's going to lead me into it. In all God's creation, do you know there's only one of his creation that worries? It's not the animals. It's us. And your body is not, it's not made to handle it. Talk to any of these medical people here. Right? Any of the medical professionals we have here. Ask them about how much stress messes with your body. Right? And you could be stressed and not even know it, but the Holy Spirit knows you and will keep you out of stress. He'll keep you out of it. So this is telling us in Philippians that what we do, we pray about everything, and that is the road, or it takes us into the room where now we experience the peace of God. Everybody wants to experience the peace of God, and they're trying to listen to Caleb to experience the peace of God. Right? And now listen to Caleb. That's all right. Now you might have to sort through some doubt and unbelief in there. Right? There's some people, some Christians that, man, they'd do well to just get in the Word. They'd write some better songs. Or at least all of it could be good. There's nothing like when you listen to a Christian song and you're like, man, that is so awesome. But, man, why did you have to throw that one in there? Right? Why did you have to throw... That one sentence. And then we all become songwriters because we got to learn how to sing it differently, <laughs> right? But I could tell you every time you have a life, a prayer relationship with God, and it'll bring the peace of God in your life every time. It's the road. This, it says it. So we, this, is, this is what we do. This is the progression. We, number one, we don't worry. Number two we make an end to our prayer. If you need something, Father, I come before you tonight and I have a lying symptom in my body. It's a spiritual attack in my body right now. I, I have these symptoms. This is going on in my body. But your word tells me that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed, that Jesus bore it and carried my pain so I don't have to. So right now, Father, I believe I receive my healing, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I've just made an end to my what? Prayer. Now what's left to do? I just thank him. As I go about my life now, I've prayed about it once. I've believed I've received it. I'm just going to thank him for it now. There's nothing else to do because in God's mind, it's done, right? The Bible says if you believe you receive, you'll have it. So if all you got to do, the minute, the minute you need something and you find in God's word, you look through the pages and you're meditating in the word and the Holy Spirit leads you somewhere and you're like, wow, look at this. This is my answer. It's already done. You know God's will on it. So now you go to him And you believe you receive it. You put an end to your prayer. Number three, then, is you thank God for the answer. And here's number four. You refuse to ever worry about it again. Right? So don't worry. Put an end to your prayer. Thank him. And refuse to ever worry again. All right, well, let's close in prayer. And No, no, I'm just teasing. (laughs) We can get into some other stuff. I can't let you guys off that easy. Matthew 21, verse 22. This, Matthew 21, 22, if you want to turn there, they'll put it on the screen. It talks about the prayer of faith. This is one verse that uh, there's, there's many in the Bible that reveals the prayer of faith, or you could call it the prayer of believing, if you want to. But it says, and all things... Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Wow. And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, if you can ask believing, see, that's the disclaimer. You have to believe. Well, in order to believe, faith only comes by hearing God's word, God's word is His will right so once see you can't fake believing a lot of people are living their life and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer mental assenting to i may receive probably not but no this is what the word says believing anything you ask in prayer when you ask believing you shall receive it god says mark 11:24 you know this scripture therefore i say to you what things soever you desire When you pray, believe that you receive them, what? And you shall have them. That's another verse that's the prayer of faith. Not, oh God, please, please God, help me. Please God, you know I'm hurting. See, God's not moved by that. He's not moved by your need. Do you know why? There's not one scripture that talks about in this present church age, he's moved by your need. The reason why is because you don't have any. Yeah. He's already met them. He's given you everything at salvation that pertains to life and godliness. In Psalm 23, it reveals it. He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He went ahead and he provided everything for you so that you, it, it's, he's not moved by your need. What's he moved by? Faith. Because it's the only way that you can access anything that he's given you, right? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to receive anything from God apart from faith. So, So this is why you can make an end to your prayer. You can go home tonight, list everything that's going on in your life, and I'll bet in 10, if your life is really a mess, maybe 15 minutes... And you can literally pray about everything in your life with scripture and put an end to it. And then just keep that piece of paper and keep thanking them for all that stuff and you'll just pretty soon you'll just start writing dates down when you see it in this realm. Amen. Right? And then you'll have a testimony. And you'll get so excited and you'll start running around telling people what God's doing in your life. Amen. And pretty soon people will start getting saved and they'll start getting the same results. And, and all of a sudden you're going to be like, hey, Pastor... Um, I I got six people here that I'm discipling and I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And what'll happen is you'll find out how much you really do know because you know enough. So here is a big statement. Prayer is not an option. Now I know, I know that we think it is or we live like it is. But it's not. It's a necessity. It's kind of like, if you want to go down this road about, you know, rhyming tonight. You know, sometimes prophetic, when this stuff comes forth, it always rhymes. Have you ever noticed that sometimes? <laughs> but it's not an option. Prayer is a necessity. Prayer is a necessity like air. Air is a necessity. It's not an option for me. I don't have an option to breathe. As a child of God, you don't have an option to pray. Does that make sense? It's not optional. Now, Satan will tell you it's optional. Do you know reading this word, meditating in it day and night, it's not optional? Putting it first in your life's not optional? You're gonna, but like, but pastor, I've got 25 things above God in my life right now. Yeah, but that's not optional. And and if we really wanted to take a look at your life right now, it's probably not what, you know, you're probably not hitting on all cylinders where you're just like, my life is awesome. Right? So it's not optional. I know that's a deep statement. This truth that prayer is a necessity, not an option, is to be an indelible image on your heart and on your mind. This is something If you want to develop an effective prayer life, you live this way. Eating's optional. Doing anything else is optional, but it's not optional for me to live without prayer. You you have to make this an indelible image on your heart and on your mind. Otherwise, you'll start to believe it's an option because here's what the Holy Spirit does not do. He doesn't come to you and slap you in the face and go, hey, you haven't talked to me for an hour. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that he actually won't ever slap you in the face for that? He'll just, he'll, he'll prompt you, hey, come on, I want to spend time with you. We need to talk, right? Sometimes you'll say, hey, we really need to talk because you just got off the wrong off-ramp. You're on steal, kill, and destroy highway, right? And and so he, he tries to help you. It's not an option. Prayer is one of the most important activities of humanity. Most important. Why? Because it brings God on the scene. It brings heaven to the earth. Oh, we talk about going to heaven a lot. But God talks a lot about heaven coming to the earth. And that's why we're here to bring heaven to this earth. To show this world Jesus. We are used to the purpose and position that God has given us. We live this way. We're used to this purpose and this position that God has given us to invite heaven to come down and intervene in the earth in my life. God has purposed you to do that. He's given you a position to where you can do that. Isn't that amazing? You can access. You always have the ear of your father. Always. And you can use this purpose that, that is, is part of the call on your life is to bring heaven to this earth in your life and in the lives of those that God brings your way. It's So important. This is, prayer is not, oh God grant me the serenity. No, it's not that. Right? It's not going every day and praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name and, and praying the Lord's prayer. It's like man if you would just read a few verses God says don't he this first of all it's an old testament prayer but second of all I mean and you could learn a lot of principles from it but but right there it says listen don't use vain repetitions in other words don't pray this over and over and it doesn't even say pray this prayer it says after this manner pray but see religion part of our flesh likes religion but christian's not a religion right? Now, is praying the Lord's Prayer wrong? Well, I would say, let's meditate on it, let's get some nuggets from it, and then let's let the Holy Spirit stir us to pray as the Word says. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit, if He's not stirring you to pray something, you're just kind of out there. Because He is the one that orchestrates it all. Prayer is our request for Him To work his ways in this world. God desires that you and I partner with him in the great purpose of reclaiming and redeeming this world back to him. Prayer. That's why we pray the prayer of intercession. Why? To win the lost. It's why we pray the prayer of supplication so that we can help believers, starting with ourselves, lay hold of the plan of God for our life. It's why we pray the prayer of faith, to lay hold of these great promises that we need in this world. So there's all these prayers. It's why we pray the prayer of agreement, because we know when two of us agree is touching anything, it's done for us. I mean, we could go on and on with the different types of prayer. Prayer gets God involved in our circumstances. And it's time in the church in America for the world to see the God of heaven working in our lives. Not just just talking about what God is going to do. They need to see God working in our lives. And oh, how God wants to. Prayer releases God's power into our lives which brings God's miracles into our lives. Could it be that we're not seeing what we see in the word of God in the early church because we're not spending any time praying? How many, a few years ago, you were telling me about a church just under the border of North Korea, they're in South Korea, and this denominational church, didn't six o'clock every morning? The pastor just started having prayer six o'clock every morning. How, what, for an hour? Was it? Yeah. So, so people would start coming. You've been in those prayer meetings before. You could hear crickets, right? A couple people show up. Pretty soon they're just, God put it on his heart to do this. By the time of this report, was there hundreds or was it thousands? Thousands of people in his church were coming every morning at six o'clock in the morning. This church exploded, they were winning people everywhere. What happened? Prayer. See, who is going to build the church? Jesus. Who brings increase? So what if we never invite him to do that? What if we, what if we never... This is what we do. If we just see Satan loves this, when you, your prayer life, the sum total of your prayer life, is praying for yourself. Because you can't be praying in faith. Because you keep asking over and over and over. And because you're so self-centered, you're missing it. You're never able to be stirred by the Spirit because you're all about yourself. And all it is is a little adjustment just from, from looking at myself to looking at him. And now, all of a sudden, you find your life because you lose it. And now, you start living with purpose and you start being about his business which opens the door for him to work in your business and that is what we're talking about this is what he wants prayer brings direction into our lives prayer changes the way we think about ourselves, about others and about our circumstances your circumstances can be overwhelming you but you start praying and spending time with him praying about them, and it'll change the way you look at your circumstances. They'll get smaller, they'll get insignificant. Pray about pray for those that despitefully use you and see if you won't fall in love with them. Because you'll get out of your flesh into your spirit. It's a wonderful way to live. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, in verse 14, has a, it's a key scripture. We always bring it out as we pray for our country. But it's got some incredible principles in it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, in verse 14. See, we live, if you're not careful, and you feed on Fox or CNN and, and all this stuff and watch the news instead of spending time with God pretty soon you will start thinking that all of our problems are our politicians. And I've got news for you tonight. I'm going to be real political. You ready? Every problem in America is our fault. Every problem in America is the fault of the church. Why? Because we're the only ones on this planet with authority. And this is not a natural battle. This is not about race. It's not about, you know, whether or not we should do abortion. It's not about gender stuff. It's about the souls of men. And the enemy is not natural. It's Satan. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we are the only ones that will know that and have the authority to stop him. Look at what it says. If my people, God says, who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves. Notice, nowhere in the Bible, Genesis to Maps, does God say he'll humble you. We have to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. what does that mean? To humble yourself means to submit yourself to God. In other words, this is an attitude of your heart. Now listen, I thank God for the Christian politicians. I thank God for the Christian attorneys that are trying in the court systems to stop some of this anti-church, anti-God stuff. There's people that are called to do that. But I gotta tell you, even there, we have to do it we have to stand as the church in our rights as a believer and in our, our authority. Try, try to figure it out in your mind. I'll, I'm here to tell you, is anybody really telling the truth? Do you really see enough of any picture? No. But guess who does? God sees it all. And he's got a plan. Right? And he wants his church to have a voice. And have the freedom to to further the kingdom of God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Interesting. you got to humble yourself because that's going to come first before you pray. It's really hard to be stirred by the Spirit of God if you're in pride because you're trying to do it yourself. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What? So every problem, if we look at every problem in America, it's because maybe we're not humbling ourselves, we're not praying, we're not seeking his face, and we're not turning from our wicked ways. We're too busy talking about the other wicked ways of other people. Forget about all that. Right? Do this first... And then see if God will lead you to do anything else. Right? We have to do this, guys. We have an election coming up. I mean, there's legislature. We are in California. There's legislature trying to outlaw the Bible. Try to outlaw ever talking in the name of Jesus. I mean, there's, there's stuff... This next election's real big now. And and we understand we're living at the end of the church age. So there is, I mean, Antichrist is going to be revealed. Right? There is, all this stuff's going to happen. But that tells me the church age is almost over. So we got a lot of work to do. So we got to humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, so that he will what? He says, once you do that, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't that amazing? We can have our land healed if we in the church will get our life right. That's amazing. But it's absolutely the truth. See, you can force obedience, but you can never force submission. Submission to submit means, what do you do? You retire. You stop doing what you are, what we're doing. You withdraw to do something else, and then you yield to whatever's drawing you. So God is saying, humble yourselves. Pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. In other words, withdraw from doing what you're doing, right? Retire from it, stop it. Withdraw to where I want you to go so that now you can yield to me. We enter God's kingdom by humbling ourselves. You had to, at some point to get saved, you had to stop doing what you were doing, right? You had to withdraw from it and turn a different way and then yield. So to get saved, I had to stop living for myself and I had to go to God and and withdraw from that and go to God and yield to him and go, yes, Jesus, I believe you're Lord of all. I believe your father rose you from the dead and you're alive today in heaven. And now I proclaim you are Lord of all and you're my Lord. And when I did that, I entered the kingdom of heaven. In the same way, if you want to operate in the kingdom of heaven or in the kingdom of God, which is on the earth, because when you got born again, you were taken out of the delegated influence of darkness, Colossians tells us. You were translated over here into the kingdom of God, but most Christians do not how to op- know how to operate the kingdom because to operate in the kingdom, you have to retire from doing things your way. You have to withdraw from that And you have to yield to God's way. Do you know how many Christians are trying to believe God for something and they've got 19 things in their life that they know about that they're not willing to change? It doesn't work that way. You could believe God for finances your whole life and be poverty stricken your whole life if you never honor God in your finances. You can literally, you could honor God in your finances. You, can do, you could be in church every time it's open. You could be helps minister of the year or pastor of the century, all this stuff. But if you do not walk in love and you have unforgiveness, does that make sense? So so this is why man I go to God and I'm like okay Father you made me new but I've got this sin nature in my flesh that's warring against the law of my mind so I'm trusting you I humble myself right I in my own strength I can't do what you've called me to do so I completely humble myself and I'm praying right? I'm seeking your face, and oh my goodness, I have turned from my wicked ways. My, I'm, I'm looking at you, but I'm, I'm trusting you to keep me from my wicked ways, right? When I'm positioned like this, when I've turned from that, I've, I've retired from doing that, I've withdrawn from it, and now I'm in a position where I'm willing to yield to him, it says he's going to hear, he's going to come, and he's going to heal our land. It's the same thing. It's how we operate in the kingdom. Submission. Well, that's like a four-letter word, but it's not a four-letter word, guys. God does everything by delegated authority. Your submission to God is revealed, husband, in how you submit to your wife. Well, now, wait a minute, pastor. The Bible says that the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. Yeah, but it also says the husband submits to the wife, too but men, we've never seen that one, right? Well, I'm just waiting for revelation. No, that doesn't fly, right? If you can't submit to that boss who's evil, think about how silly that is. Well, I've got this boss that he's a heathen, he doesn't like me, he hates God, and he's told me I'm never gonna be promoted. Okay, I get, take that one to God, and God's gonna go, so I guess that trumps Joshua 1.5 that says no man can stop you. No, it doesn't. it doesn't trump that. See, no man can ever stop you on the earth. But this is all about this. We enter God's kingdom by humbling ourselves. We operate in God's kingdom by humbling ourselves. See, everybody, I, I have pastors talk to me about, how come you never really talk about this political thing? I'm like we have a lot better stuff to talk about. Come on. Come on. I mean, are you kidding me? Why would I want to talk about that? Like I really know. <laughs> right? I pray for them. Amen. I, wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be them. Right? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to stick. But see, here's the thing. Little grandma so-and-so who's just served God for 50 years and, and, and really has access to the God of heaven, can change a nation. Yeah. Let me read you a story. This is a really cool story. I was going to save this to the end. The end of these notes. <laughs> I never get to the end, right? So I'm just, you know what? I'm going to get to the end tonight. Here's the end. It is. Oh, it's not the end. Shoot. Okay, I'm going to get almost to the end. Here's a cool story. Some of you have heard about John Lake, minister, right? So John Lake was at F.F. Bosworth's home. That's the guy who wrote Christ the Healer. So John Lake's hanging out at F.F. Bosworth's home, along with a lady named Lillian Thistleate. That sounds like something you take if you have, you know, indigestion or something, right? Sorry, Lillian. You know, whatever. She's going to get me someday. So she's there, so this lady's there, Lillian's there with F.F. Bosworth and John Lake. Lillian is the sister-in-law of this guy named Charles Peron or Param. Charles had been praying for years for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God, within him praying for years for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, God gave this guy, Charles, a vision. And in the vision, he saw a house in Topeka, Kansas. He saw it. So Charles Param went to Topeka to find the house. So he's going around Topeka, and he's looking to find the house that he saw in the vision. Now, he had been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He saw the house, and when he saw the house, he walked up to the owner and said, when the guy answered the door, he told him, hey, I had a vision, I saw this house. This is the house where an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is supposed to happen. The owner answered, because he's he's like, the owner answered, well, do you have any money to buy this house? Charles answered, no. No. The owner of the house then said to him, you could have it anyway. This in 1900, 119 years ago, in Topeka, Kansas, in this house, was where the first modern day outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place. You and I are probably part of this that started in Topeka, Kansas by one man praying. Wow, what a great story. Isn't that cool? But that story's not as good as the word. See, you can force obedience, but you can't force submission. Are you a parent tonight? You could tell your child, you're gonna sit in that chair until I tell you you can get up. Right? And, And you know what? They might sit in that chair, but they have this look on their face that's saying, I might be sitting on the outside, but I am not sitting on the inside, right? And you wait till I'm 16 or 17 years old. Wow, right? This, here's a parenting statement. This is why God made babies and little kids smaller, so that we can draw some boundaries because that way we learn we, they learn some boundaries and then we love them and we don't punish them, we correct them and we build a relationship with them so that when they're teenagers and all of a sudden this independence starts coming and all of a sudden society's telling them their parents are idiots, you can enjoy your teenage years. But, but raise your kids outside of church or, or live your life another way at home be one way at home and another way at church. And all of a sudden, when they get in middle school, they start start throwing a fit about going to church. And then parents will say, okay, you don't have to go. And if they do that, then guess what will happen? They won't want God in high school. And when they leave and go to college, they won't want God at all. Now, the good news is if you did that, guess what? God will still get them back for you. But if you got little ones, learn from our mistakes, right? Amen? Right. Learn from that. How did I get off on all that? Man, you guys have me meddling here, right? Each of us, now get this, each of us have the power to bring God's will on the earth so the world can be saved, healed, and transformed by his grace. God says that we are to bear fruit and that our fruit will remain. God wants you to bear fruit in the lives of people. You leading somebody to Christ or you just planting a seed and five years later they end up getting saved and all of a sudden their whole family's saved. We have no idea. A person of prayer knows the will of God, knows that it'll flow from heaven to the earth, only through his prayers and the prayers of God's people. He knows that. A person of prayer knows that his prayer and the prayer of God's people will bring God and heaven on the scene. It's not just an exercise. We must, so there's three things. I'm going to touch on just a little bit of one, and then we'll go into this next week. You guys distracted me, so I just didn't go as as far as I wanted to. I'm teasing. Number one, we have to develop fervency in our prayer lives. To be fervent, this word fervent, means to have eagerness of mind, to have zeal. And I've got to tell you, every one of you have that. It's on the inside. It might not be showing up on the outside, But I got to tell you, we have a lot of people where it's showing up on the outside. As the Holy Spirit stirs you to pray, fervency increases. This is why most of the church that's praying, it's not stirred by the Spirit of God because there's no fervency. But man, when you learn how to let the Holy Spirit stir you, you get real fervent, eager of mind, you're yielding, you have zeal. Right? Here's a big statement. What becomes big on the inside of you and I is what you will pray out fervently. What you pray out fervently is what's going to be answered and filled. So fervency is very, very important. See, this is the problem. So that's the principle. Here's the problem. The main problem is when believers are so self-centered that the only thing that gets big on the inside of them is their needs and their life. So they have no fervency. They're not not able to be stirred by the Holy Ghost because all they're thinking about is themselves. A person will not get very far in prayer in this state. Self-centeredness steals our ability to have a heart for others. See, because we have a heart for others, but we can't get it out if we're self-centered. The key, and I'll leave you with this, the key to fervency in prayer is you've got to cut away the things of the flesh. One, Here's a big one. You've got to cut away what you think everybody else needs to be doing. Ouch. And everybody said, oh me, right? you must put away the things of the flesh and give yourself wholly to the Holy Spirit. This will cause a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the things of God. This is, this is a huge thing. And I know I've said a lot here. And we'll go back and we'll say this again next week. And then we'll go into it more. But fervency. To be stirred by the Spirit, to have, to be, to just have a zeal where, man, you can't go very long without praying. You know, I pray all the time, all the time. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying in my understanding, all the time. Not in massive hour. You know, sometimes I get lost in it, and I'm, you know, all of a sudden here it is, and you know, I sit down in a chair in a living room at twelve thirty and at three o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm like, oh shoot. Right? I've got a meeting tomorrow morning. But most of the time, it's just, just on and off all day. And how I stir myself to pray, I pray in the Holy Ghost. It stirs me big time. But fervency, fervency in spirit, it literally causes you to be very sensitive spiritually and you get over yourself. All of a sudden, you're not about you. And there's freedom when we're not about us because we're not made to be about us. Amen.